0: ...reminder that we have that we're on our way to a better place. You know, we're in a good place. I think the United States of Kentucky is the most beautiful place in the whole wide world. And so we're in a beautiful place, but we're on our way to a better place. And so today has just been one of those glory hallelujah days. I thought somebody was going to heaven just a moment ago. Somebody shouted out. I don't know who it was. I didn't look back. But uh, nonetheless, here we are tonight. Listen, I'm going to tell you what we're going to be doing on the next several Wednesday nights. I think if you uh, hop on board and start out on a journey with somebody, you probably ought to know where you're going. And so on Wednesday nights for the next several weeks, I want to just talk to you about prayer. And specifically, we're going to look at what Jesus said about prayer. So in just a few moments, we're going to begin by looking at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7, begin reading in just a few moments in verse 7. So Matthew 7, verse 7. Seven, And I think this is a good passage to be a springboard for us for the next few weeks as we think about all the other things that Jesus said in regard to prayer. One of the things we're going to be doing on this journey is we'll go back actually prior to this in the book of Matthew and look at what a lot of people call the Lord's Prayer, I like to call it the model prayer because Jesus, in giving us that great prayer, showed us a model. He gave us some elements, if you would, that ought to be in our prayers as we go to the Heavenly Father. And So we'll actually spend quite a few weeks just looking at that. But again, tonight, I want us to start by thinking about keys to an effective prayer life as we look at Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. So here we are, we're together uh, for the time being, and after next Sunday, next Sunday I had a Sunday morning commitment, I'll be preaching down at New Salem Baptist Church in London, Kentucky, for a series, they're doing a series of what they're calling Super Sundays, and so they invited me Uh, to come and be a part of that. And then, of course, Brother Eddie will be here with you the first Sunday of October. That's going to be a great time and a great week. I'm excited for you about that. But then beyond that, my schedule is clear, and here we are. So we're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord together. Uh, Wednesday nights are precious to me. And I know for a lot of people in our modern way of living, Wednesday nights have become more difficult to get out to and that kind of thing. But it's always been precious to me because I grew up in churches where as a child and then as a youth, we had a lot of activities on Wednesday nights. So that sort of set the standard for me. I loved coming out and engaging in youth group and those things as a young person, then as I uh, grew up and started into ministry, just having time to come together as the body of Christ in the middle of the week uh, just recharges you to uh, head into the remainder of the week and once you get Through that recharge on Wednesday night, you know, it's Thursday and then Friday all of a sudden, here you are into the weekend, but what has become more precious to me than anything else on Wednesday nights is a return to why we started having Wednesday night service in the first place, and that has everything to do with what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. So lately, we've been calling Wednesday night midweek, midweek service, midweek activities, Wednesday night worship. But how many of you can remember with me going back years ago what we always referred to Wednesday nights as? That's it. Prayer meeting. And unfortunately, over the years of time, uh, I don't think that we as a people of God, and I'm not laying this on you as Bible Baptist Church, but I'm speaking in general with a broad brush here. I don't think that we as the people of God take the seriousness of praying together as a body of Christ the way we once did. Uh, I, I don't see that. But here's what I can tell you. In my years of working with churches and studying churches, I've discovered that, that churches that are being mightily blessed by God in their fellowship and in particularly in their evangelism and discipleship, those churches are serious about prayer. And so I want us again to take these few weeks on Wednesday night and just be reminded of how important it is not only for us to pray as individuals and to have a daily prayer life ourselves, but also how important it is for us to be a praying people congregationally. And so... Again, I think a great springboard for our thoughts is here in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12, uh, where Jesus really shows us some effective keys, some important keys that lead to a powerful prayer life. So let's read the passage together, beginning in verse 7, and again... I will read down through the end of verse 11. Scripture says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Aren't those beautiful words? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for, again, this splendid day you have shown out by giving us such a beautiful late summer, early fall day, and Lord, just seeing the sunshine and uh, the green grass that's still abounding and abundant right now, Lord, that uh, just reminds us of your steadfast love and mercy on us. And then, Father, to give us a time together to come out in the middle of a week and have a few moments of Bible study and then a prayer time together as a church body. Father, help us to never forget and to never fail to acknowledge how Very precious that really is. And so, Lord, I just pray that beginning tonight and then the next several Wednesday nights that you would bless us as we think about prayer and particularly, Lord, as we're informed about prayer from the ministry and teaching of our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. God, be honored and glorified as we give you our moments, our attention, and our hearts in this place tonight. I pray and I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and amen. Something else that I don't think many ladies do these days, or ladies, if you do, I don't see signs of it, but I remember years ago when my grandmother and even my mother would use what they called cold cream. Do any of you remember cold cream? You know, ladies would take it, came in a little jar, and usually they'd use some type of applicator and scoop it out and spread it on their face and leave it there for a few moments and then wipe it away. Well, back in the days when ladies did that a lot, a little girl was watching her mama do it. So there was her mom sitting on the chair in front of a mirror, and she was taking the applicator and putting on that cold cream and her face was covered with it. And so the little girl, intrigued, asked her mother, Mama, why do you do that? And she said, well, honey, I do it to make myself beautiful. Just a few moments after that, the lady took out tissue And she began wiping off the cold cream with the tissue. And the little girl looked at her and said, Mama, what's up? Are you giving up already? (laughs) And I wonder if sometimes the Lord may ask the same thing about our prayer lives. I wonder sometimes we who have been taught to pray without ceasing. And of course, you know what that means. That doesn't mean that you can go around 24 hours a day uh, literally praying all those moments. If you did that, you wouldn't be useful for anything else. But what Scripture teaches us there is that we're to have an ongoing prayer life. You know what I think is more important than even having a regular time? Now... Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here because I do think it's very important that you have a regular time when you go to the Lord in prayer personally, whether it's in the morning, whether it's of the evening, whether it's in the middle of your day. I think that's critically important. But I think even more important than that is that you maintain and that I maintain a posture of prayer in our hearts at all times, you can pray whenever you need to pray, right? When the need arises, you ought to pray. When someone comes to you and you have the right time and you're in the right place, maybe than just saying, yes, I'll pray for you, perhaps the best thing to do is say, may I pray for you right now and pray for that person. So I think it's important that we maintain a constant or consistent prayer life. And as we have that prayer time, we need to ask, seek, and knock. I want you to notice that Jesus makes a fantastic promise about prayer in this text, which I believe is one of the greatest promises in all of the Bible. Do you see that in this text, Jesus promises really two things. Number one, that God hears us when we pray. And then number two, God answers us when we pray. Now why would I say that that is the greatest promise for the believer perhaps in all of the Word of God. Well, folks, it begins with remembering who God is, right? You know, God uh, is the holy God who is above all and is over all. Imagine if somebody came to you tonight and said, you have an open ear with the most powerful man in the world, whoever that might be. At this time, whereas, whether it's the President of the United States or someone else, but just imagine that somebody came to you and says, you have his ear at all times. Whenever you call, he's going to answer. And whatever you ask of him, he's going to provide. If you had that kind of promise and guarantee, well, that would just be something, wouldn't it? But oh, what peace. We often forfeit. And what needless pain we bear as we sing in the old hymn, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, that God hears us when we pray and that God always answers us when we pray. It's a great promise. And there's no substitute for prayer in the life of a Christian. There are things that God only does when we pray that otherwise He does not do. Now, let me say this before we start looking at the text in depth. I must tell you tonight that I really don't understand Prayer. Now here I am, I've already told you that for the next few Wednesday nights I'm going to be teaching about prayer and we're going to be talking about prayer and we're going to be encouraging one another to be involved more in prayer and then here I'm saying that I honestly don't know that much about prayer and it's just the truth. But what I do know about prayer informs me that I need to pray more. There's just things that God does and ways that He moves in our lives that we're otherwise not in tune with if we're not communing with Him in prayer. Now, when I say I don't understand it, let me explain that a little bit. I believe that God is omniscient, and you know what I mean by that. I believe that God knows all things. Which means what? That means that I am never informing God when I pray. God knew what I'm praying about before I ever realized it. God already knows. So I am not informing God when I pray. And the other thing... My theology teaches me that we do not change a sovereign God. We believe in the sovereignty of God, right? That nobody is informing God, nobody is changing God. In other words, we we believe in a holy God that always does the right thing and He's going to do what He's going to do. We don't change Him. So I want you to understand that from the outset. Prayer is not about changing the mind of God. It's not. I suspect that more than anything else, when we pray, God changes us. But having said all of that, Is it okay for us just to agree together that there is a mystery that's involved when we think about praying? There just is. Because God's sovereign, God's omniscient, we don't inform Him. He already has a plan, and Scripture says that the plan of God will not be thwarted. So what does that mean? It won't be changed. God and His plan won't be changed. So we know those things while at the same time we know that there is a realized activity in our lives and in our communities and in our churches that we don't otherwise realize when we're not people of prayer. So that's where faith comes in. We believe God by faith, and we believe that we're to do what He tells us to do by faith. And so when we pray, really more than anything else in our lives, it is an exercise of our faith. And there's just frankly no substitute for it in the life of the child of God. Now, I want you to notice that in verse 7 here, we're dealing with three verbs. Ask, seek, and knock. Three verbs. If you make marks in your paper copy of the Bible, or some of you use those fancy electronic copies where you can make marks and it saves it on that, you ought to underline those three words. Ask, seek, and knock because the the verbs in scripture are where god is telling us obviously what to do and he's telling us here ask and seek and knock now let me talk about these verbs a little bit and let's make sure we're all together on this and we understand uh, you know verbs when you deal with them in the Greek language, which is what our Bibles in the New Testament are translated from, there's a lot of nuances. There's a lot of different things about verbs. And one thing I want to point out to you very clearly is that these three verbs, ask, seek, and knock, are all in a certain mood in the Greek language, and that's called the imperative mood. You know what it means when somebody speaks to you imperatively. I can easily illustrate that for you. Um, My dad was a fun dad. We had a lot of fun together. But when he needed to correct my sister and I, we knew when he was speaking imperatively. And I suspect that a lot of you knew when your father or your mother was speaking to you imperatively. Uh, Dad had a way of putting things. When he was ready for us to quit whatever he didn't like that we were doing, Dad would put it like this. He would say, now son, if you don't stop, you're going to get a spanking. And of course, like with a lot of your parents, no such thing as time out in the Dodson household. It was always a certain application of the Board of Education to the seat of learning. That's the way it worked. And so dad would say to us, if you don't stop, you're going to get this punishment. And then he'd look us in the eye and he would say, that's not a threat. It's a promise. When dad used those words... I'm telling you this is going to happen if you don't stop. It's not a thread, it's a promise. When he used those words, we knew he was speaking in the imperative. In other words, he was giving us a command. That's what the imperative mood communicates in the language here. And so when Jesus says, number one, you are to ask. Number two, you are to seek. Number three you are to knock, He's commanding us to do these things. So I want you to listen. Prayer is not just good for you and good for me. It's commanded of us. Here's what I'm saying. If we're not asking, if we're not seeking, if we're not knocking, in our prayer life, then we're, we're sinning. So, hear me clearly. It's a sin not to pray. Now, we've already, I think, pretty much agreed with one another that, that there's some mystery when it comes to prayer and we don't understand everything about it. But here's the bottom line it's not for us to understand everything. I go back to my parents. You know, they'd tell you to do something or not to do something, and sometimes you would ask, why? They would say, what? Because I... That's right. Because I said so. And that's what's happening here in this passage. Jesus is saying so. When we think about sin, you know that there are those two broad categories of sin There are sins of commission and sins of omission. You know what I'm talking about? A sin of commission is when you do something that you're not supposed to do. But a sin of omission is to leave off something that you are supposed to do, right? So when we don't ask, and we don't seek, and we don't knock, we are sinning a sin of omission... We're not doing what the Lord Jesus has taught us to do. You may have never thought about not praying as being sin, but I'm saying to you tonight, as much as profanity or idolatry or any other kind of sin is sin, so is not praying. There's a certain verse... In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, Scripture says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me, that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So, folks, when there's someone in our life for whom we should pray, it's a sin for us not to pray for that person. When there's a need in our own lives... For which we should pray, it's a sin for us not to pray. And I don't want you to misunderstand me because I'm not saying that it always has to be a prayer of supplication. You know, that's the kind of prayer where we're praying, we're asking the Lord to do something for someone or ourselves that the person or us can't do. We have needs in our lives that we can't meet. I don't care how powerful you are, how wealthy you are, how able you are. You have needs in your life that you cannot meet. And people around you have needs in their lives that they can't meet. And so we pray those prayers of supplication, asking God to supply the needs that we can't meet. But sometimes... It's not that we just need to pray a prayer of supplication. Sometimes we just ought to pray a prayer of adoration. Just praying, Lord, I love you. And God, I'm thankful for your grace and your goodness in my life. I'm thankful for what you're doing. God, I just want to tell you that you're a good God. And so whether it's prayer of adoration or supplication or thanksgiving, whatever the prayer is, the fact of the matter is, if we don't do it, we're sinning. It's a sin not to pray. That's simply what I'm trying to say. Ask, seek, and knock. They're all imperative. The next thing I want you to know about these verbs is that they're all present tense. That means... Continuous action is reflected here. What Jesus is saying is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And the clear implication is whatever you do, don't quit praying. Pray at all times, at all places, about all things. Now, having said that, here's what I really want us to hone in tonight to to get this lesson that Jesus is teaching us about prayer. You're going to see as we walk through these verbs that one builds upon the other. So you have ask, and then there's more effort when you think about seeking, and then yet there's even more effort when you think, about knocking. So ask, seek, and knock. One builds on the next. So here are keys to an effective prayer life. The first thing is dependence. Dependence. Asking expresses our dependence. When you pray, when I pray, we are saying that we are totally dependent on God which is why I've often said, I maybe have said it already to you in a sermon, but I want you to hear it again. I really believe that prayer is the highest form of worship. I believe that prayer is the highest form of worship. I love worship in general. And sometimes we confuse worship and think we're just worshiping when we sing these great songs and, Choir sings and all that kind of thing. Now that's really good worship, right? We, we like to sing uh, beautiful hymn that we sung tonight. That was exhilarating to my soul, and I hope it blessed my, my father as I sung it from my heart. That's worship, but I'm saying to you tonight that prayer is the highest form of worship because when we pray, we're telling a God that we totally depend on Him. We pray because we believe that there is a God who is over all and bigger than all and more powerful than all. If we didn't believe that, would we pray? If God was on our level, would we pray to Him? No. If God wasn't omnipotent, all-powerful, Would we pray to Him? Why would we? So when we pray, again, I want you to see, when we ask, we are saying to God, Lord, I am totally dependent on You. I'm told, I haven't realized this quite yet in my life, but I'm told that when your children get to a certain age, the IRS no longer will allow you to claim him or her as a dependent. Is that the way it works? I'm told that. You know, maybe when my oldest gets about 35, we might get there or something. <laughs> no, I'm 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 really teasing. He's he's a very good boy, but the point is there may come a time in our lives when our children are not our dependents. Technically, but I still depend on my mama for things. But what I'm trying to get at is there, there is never an arrival in our earthly experience where we're independent from God. Never. You never get so wealthy or so strong or so able that you do not depend on God. Isn't it amazing how somebody can be in the prime or of his or her life and in just a split moment of time? A medical event can happen that shows that person and their family how much they depend on God. One little cancer cell can tell a young bodybuilder how much he is dependent on God. The reason we ask God of anything is because we depend on Him. So asking has everything to do with our acknowledging our dependence on God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 20 verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of God. Of our Lord, our God. So when you ask, that's all about dependence. I love the old song, Lord, I can't even walk if you don't hold my hand. The mountain's too high and the valley's too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I've learned to stand because I can't even walk if you don't hold my hand. It's all about dependence. Asking means. You're saying to God, Lord, I depend on you. Second thing I want you to notice with me tonight is desire. Asking has everything to do with dependence, but then Jesus says, seek and you'll find. Seeking expresses your desire. Now remember what I told you a moment ago. These words build on one another. So when you ask, you're saying, God, I'm asking you for this because I depend on this. I depend on you. But when you're seeking, that's a deeper level than just asking. Sometimes when you seek, you don't even know what you ought to be praying for. You see, when you ask, you know what you're asking for. If my tank on my car was empty tonight and I had left my wallet at home, I would have to come up to one of you and say, Hey, I I need a little bit of gas. Can I have ten bucks? I think ten will get me from here to Somerset. I don't know these days. Maybe not. Maybe I should ask for (laughs) twenty. The bottom line is, if I had that need, one of you would help me with that, wouldn't you? (laughs) but I'd have to ask you for it. But in asking, I would know what I'm asking you for. Need a little gas. So when you ask, you know what you're asking for. But when you seek, sometimes you don't even know what you're seeking, but you're trying to determine what God wants for you. Have you ever been in a moment of desperation in your life that you did not know how to pray? I sure have. And Well, wow, this is one of the richest truths that we have in the Word of God about the gifting from His Holy Spirit. You know about this. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verses 26 and 27, and he talks about that beautiful role of the Holy Spirit in our lives when he says, The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us according to the will of God. It's a beautiful thing to know the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's the role of being the comforter. And part of that comfort is when we're up against these things and we don't even know what to say, God the Holy Spirit can and does interpret the very deep needs of our souls to our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's always at the right hand of the Father. And so often in prayer, it's more than just asking what you know you ought to ask about. Many times you don't even really know, and so you're seeking, you're expressing your desire, you're saying to God, God, I don't even know what to say about this situation. I don't even know what to say about this event in my life. I don't know what to say on behalf of this, my brother or my sister, but God, you know, and I lay it at your feet. And Lord, I am seeking. My desire is that I am seeking for you to do what only you can do. So Jesus says we ought to ask. That's all about dependence. We ought to seek. That's about the desire of our heart, earnestly looking and listening for the will of God to be communicated as we pray. But last of all, when he talks about knocking, to me, that's a word about determination. The discipline of knocking. Knock, Jesus says, and it will be open to you. Knock. And remember what we said earlier, these are present tense verbs. So it means ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking. And then Jesus promises that the door ultimately will be opened and God will reveal himself. I remember when my boys were younger and when they wanted something, guess what they would do? They would ask and they would keep on asking. They would seek and they would keep on seeking and they would knock and keep on knocking. I guess maybe I'm the only one that's brought up kids like that. But if they perceived that they weren't getting an answer from me, do you think they gave up? No. The knock kept coming until I was very, very clear about the answer. And so Jesus here teaches us that we ought to be just that determined. Knock. Keep on knocking. And ultimately, you're going to see how God opens the door for you. Now, I'm going to get a little repetitious here because I think when I spoke here back, Maybe in July, I mentioned this in my sermon, but it really bears repeating in what we're talking about. So knock and keep on knocking. How many times should we pray about something? How many times should we continue to pray? Well, the honest answer is it can't be weighed. You can't assign a number to it, but the bottom line is you continue to pray until you clearly understand God's answer. I heard a Bible teacher one time teach about prayer, and it was so foolish. This person said that, you know, you ought to pray about something one time and just forget it. Well, Paul didn't do that, did he? And so I remind you yet again of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul has this thorn in the flesh. You remember the context of that. Paul had been shown the third heaven and God allowed him to get this thorn in the flesh. He called it a minister of Satan to buffet him. And so this thorn in the flesh was terrible for Paul. It was painful. And he says that he prayed about it three times. In other words, he prays once, doesn't understand an answer or doesn't even hear an answer. Prays about it a second time, still he doesn't perceive the answer. And then it's at that third time. So Paul teaches us that model in his own life that we just continue to pray. So what I want to say to you tonight is this knocking thing is all about being determined. And does God know your mind? Yes. So does God know that you don't understand the answer until you understand it? Sure He does. And so do you think it's off-putting to God for us to continue to pray until we understand the answer? Absolutely not we pray and we continue to pray until we see and clearly understand the answer Garth Brooks is a pretty good country singer but he's a terrible theologian several years ago he had a hit country song uh, that said some of God's greatest gifts are his unanswered prayers any of you remember that song? I think the gist of it was that uh, Garth, uh, or whoever song he was singing, the the guy was uh, at an event, and he ran into an old girlfriend, I guess that had broken his heart, and he had prayed for that girlfriend to ultimately be his wife, and that didn't work out, but then when he looked over and he saw his wife and his children and all the other blessings, he said that, God's great gift to him was his unanswered prayer there. Well, I get what he's trying to communicate, but the poor theology in that is there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. There's no such thing. If you're walking with the Lord and you're praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, When you ask and you seek and you knock, even if you continue knocking until you perceive the answer, it's never that God does not answer that prayer. It's simply this. When you pray, you have to be willing to hear God say no. Sometimes before the yes or the no, God says wait. And as we're waiting, we keep praying. But ultimately, we hear and we see the yes, or we hear and we see the no, and the bottom line is when God says no, what He told Paul is the same thing He communicates to you and to me tonight. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I can tell you tonight that grace is sufficient. And His strength really is made perfect in our weakness. So we continue to pray even if it's daily for a year over and over again until we perceive and understand well let me rephrase myself we don't always understand But God will let us see the answer, either yes or either no. But when He says no, it's okay because He is a good God. And that's exactly why we continue to pray. Because of who God is and what God does. Look at verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, make sure you understand this. Jesus does not teach us here in saying that if we ask, we receive, that we receive what we think is best. That's not what he's teaching here. He's simply teaching that we ask and we receive from God. It may be yes, it may be no, but we receive it from the Lord. And when we seek, we find, again, Jesus is not teaching that we find what we think is best. Nor is He teaching that when we knock that God opens just the right door that we think He ought to open. But He answers the prayer. We receive, we find, and the door is open. And it's all out of his goodness. Notice how he uses the illustration there of a good father. If the son is hungry and asks for bread, would he give him a stone? No. If the son is asking for fish... Would He give him a snake? Absolutely not. And see what Jesus says in verse 11. We're evil. Now, that ought not define us in the living of our Christian lives because we are saved by grace. But we're not perfect yet. But in our imperfection, if we still know how to do what's right by our children how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to do what's right by us? That's what Jesus says. And so, my dear friends, we pray and in our praying, we ask, God, I depend on you. That's why I'm asking. We seek, Lord, I'm going to keep this up because this is my desire to understand your will for my life and for you to answer in a way that you know is best. And we keep doing it because we're determined to hear a word from the Lord about our need and knowing all along that even when He says no, and we may not understand it, it's best somehow, way. it's best because God sees what we do not see. And He knows what we do not know. Ask, seek, and knock. Let's pray together and Brother Darren's going to come and lead us in a few moments of congregational prayer. Lord, thank You for Your Word tonight. Thank You. Uh, that we can pray and forgive us, Father, of prayerlessness. Lord, help us to take everything, all of our needs, all of our desires, Father, everything we have, help us to take it to you in prayer. Trusting all along that you're a good God who will answer us in a way that you know best. And Father, teach us to continue to walk by faith even when you say no to our prayers. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.